What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and it's interesting, right? Like, so Living Corporate's been around for a while, and I don't know if people really appreciate, like, the micro, or even I don't know if it's a macro question. I don't know if people realize, like, the racist undertones um, that hit me when folks say things like, they see me, right? So, like, I'm, I'm networking, I'm talking to people about Living Corporate, I want to work with organizations, I want to, you know, we're trying to, we're doing that thing. You see the brands that we're working with, you see the campaigns that we're doing. Um, if you haven't, make sure you check out living-corporate.com backslash about, or just go to our website, you know what I'm saying? There's a whole about us, like the brands and things that we work with, our case studies, all this different stuff. Like, there's, brand, there's <laughs> we work with organizations, right? Like, we do this. And it's so interesting because they see my face, they peep my, I don't know, my steez, I guess, for lack of a better word, like my, 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 um, my presentation. And the first thing 80% of people ask when they engage living corporate is, well, is this just about black people? <laughs> well, you know, diversity is more than race, you know, like people will say that to me, like chastising me. Before even engaging our platform, looking at our content library, like it's so interesting. And then, and then people even say, yeah, because if you're only focused on black people, then we're not going to be able to work with you. Right. And that's tough. It's tough. I don't know if people realize how like insidiously beyond insulting it's ironically racist. Right. Um, the reality is, is that all of this diversity, equity, inclusion stuff, it has to be started and founded on anti-black racism, because if you think about the history of like the colonized world, anti-black racism is one of the oldest forms of discrimination. And of course, with that comes anti-Semitism. Right? Like, anti-Semitism is really like the OG oppression. Anti-Semitism historically is like the OG oppression. Right? I don't see people ever saying things like, you're only focused on Jewish people, right? Right? Like, that would be crazy. You would you would look at them and say that's crazy. Like, so much of the oppression that we've learned and the models of oppression that we've learned come from anti-Semitism. And when you think about modern history, so much of the oppression that we see sprout around or sprout forth comes from anti-black racism. So it's just wild that like, it's just so wild that even today, organizations still will look at, like before they even look at like any information on us. And this is like behind the scenes, just being like a black founder in a space focused on centering and amplifying all marginalized voices and experiences that there's this either chastisement or readiness to like cut the conversation short. If I was to say, yes, we're primarily focused on black voices and we're not, we're focused on marginalized voices, black and brown voices, black and brown, queer, black and brown, first generation, black and brown women, right? Black and brown trans and non-binary folks. We're focused on black and brown disabled, black and brown Muslim, black and brown, like Gen Zers, black and brown baby boomers, black and brown. You see what I mean? 
Now, it's tough because it's like, yo, like intersectionally, no one is one thing. So like, it's also reductive to think that living corporate's content, which is focused on the intersection of a bunch of different experiences, cannot be viable for a white person in France, right? In fact, shout out to my UK people. I see y'all out there listening across the pond. Shout out to the international listeners and people that list us on their podcast lists and things of that nature. Like there's obviously a use case for our content. Just because we're centering and amplifying historically marginalized voices doesn't mean there is an application and use case for those in the majority. Another case study of that. We have 100,000 LinkedIn learners right now. We have nine different universities using our LinkedIn learning content as a part of their career development curriculum right now, right? And so I say all of that to say as a preamble that like we are in Hispanic Heritage Month. You know what I'm saying? And y'all got me twisted. Y'all got the whole living corporate brand twisted. If you thought we're not going to sit down here and center and amplify Latin, Latinx, Latina, Latino, Hispanic experiences and voices uh, at Living Corporate. Okay. Last year, we actually did an incredible spotlight with Amazon Web Services. This year, we get to sit down with two incredible, incredible guests talking about the broken rung within the corporate space. It was really highlighted by McKinsey, but like so many of these things, you know, these brands. They come out with some study, you know, that really highlights what we already knew. But anyway, um, you know, I just want to definitely shout out Dr. Simeon and then also Elisa Manjarez. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, really talking about how to support women in the workplace, uh, women of color in the workplace, Hispanic women in the workplace, uh, Latino, Latina, Latinx voices and experiences. Uh, that intersection of uh, women and uh, race that that frankly still is underengaged. Um, it's an uncomfortable thing, right? Like we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, but we don't really do the hard work of dissecting or extrapolating black male voices and experiences. Latinx male voice experiences from the broader male space and we really don't still still honor the uniqueness of various women of color and their own specific ethnicities and lived experiences right everyone does not have the same experience and so I'm saying women of color in the spirit of being like approachable and engageable for like the audience because that's the language we use but I want y'all to know we don't really we don't really subscribe to that language at Living Corporate because black women have a, a unique experience Latina women have a different experience South Asian women have a different experience East Asian women have a different experience and there might be points of synergy and similarity right like that can be honored and celebrated and co-conspirated against or for <laughs> however we don't want to erase experience and identity with some of our language right and so all that being said Hispanic Heritage Month is here. It's real. I'm so excited and thankful that we were able to sit down with these two incredible, incredible, incredible speakers, these incredible consultants and leaders 
um, I want to make sure y'all enjoy this conversation. So we're going to pay some bills when we come right back. Next thing you're going to hear is the interview. Alisa, Dr. Marari, how y'all doing? Doing great. How are you? You know, I'm doing great. You know, I mean, it's like every day is um, just hotter and hotter in Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was telling Miradi that um, I wish we lived in the same city because I really want to get a chocolate ice cream after this. It's <laughs> so hot. Um, now, I am privileged enough to have AC, so I wear hoodies. That's why y'all see me. But but I'm saying, like, if I walked outside, ooh, turn turn into chocolate ice cream. Um, so, That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so, so check this out. I want to get straight to it because uh, y'all both have incredible backgrounds, um, executive leaders and coaches, uh, thought leaders, authors, consultants in your own right. Like, today we're talking about, so the broken rung for sure. And broader, and then like to that, like the the rationale reasons behind that. I'm curious, right? Like, yes, McKinsey, call, um, they talked about this in their 2022 Women in the Workplace study, uh, but like the rung's been broken for a while. I'm curious, like, what was y'all's? Um, I'm gonna say like call to action, or like when did y'all say it couldn't have been when y'all read the McKinsey report because y'all both because <laughs> y'all are both not white wimp. So, right. so <laughs> what, what point did you say? Hey, I, you know what? We need to come together and, and have some thought leadership around this and talk about this. You know, I, I would say it's something that we known for a long time, but we met a few years ago, and we said we we got to do more. We got to bring more awareness and most important, we want to make sure that we work with leaders to help them take action. Because there's one thing about looking at reports and looking data. I mean, look, at the end of the day, data has been around for right. years, so let's not kid ourselves. Right. But what are we doing about it? So we kind of got tired of talking about it and we just said, hey, we want to bring awareness and help leaders and mo both multicultural women see what they can do to make change. But... Alisa, what's and your we, take? <laughs> when we first started our podcast, we were like, okay, we know that when you look at corporate America, it's mostly white men, but there are some multicultural women. There are women of color. They, but so let's find those women and yes. see like, okay, what did you do? What rules did you break? Because we know you had to break some rules to get to where you are today. And that's really how our What Rules podcast came about, because we're like, let's just find out. Yeah. You know, right. it's interesting, too. And like, I'm going to be honest, right? Like, because I've been in this space for a while, change management, consulting, HR, for like the better half of like, I'm looking down at the little date on my laptop, uh, 12 years. So like, I frankly am like inundated with all these terms, right? Like women of color. <laughs> so... What is y'all's perspective on like this umbrella term of women of color? Because to me, it's almost like a catch-all. But women of color all have different experiences, right? It's not like this paint by yes. the numbers, one size fits all. Like you know, when we talk about this broken run and it and women of color and, and impact to women and, and women of color, like I, I feel like we do a disservice when we don't bifurcate that further. Like I'd love to hear more from y'all's perspective on what women of color really means in terms of the work that y'all do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we look at and we break down. For example, when, well, number one, in our podcast, we highlight Black women, Asian women, Latina women, women from different cultures, even within the Latino or Asian cultures or, or Black cultures. So for us, we understand how critical it is for other women that can relate to the experiences of other women that may look like them or have the same cultural experiences. I mean, you've seen the data and when you lump them in together, women of color are impacted. But the more that you isolate that, black women, Latina women, the numbers get lower and lower when you look at the women in leadership in corporate America. So absolutely, it is a huge difference. And we try to highlight that, in, especially in our podcast. And when we talk to people about the different multicultural experiences, even within one cohort. 100%. Um, and, and Alisa, I'm curious, right? Because like, as you think about, and we, and we have conversations around breaking the rules, right? So like, what rules? Mm-hmm. So like, one thing I'm like, I've experienced is... So I remember early in my career, like as a black man who's 6'2 and like 280 plus, like I'm a large black man with a beautiful <laughs> voice and a, and a beautiful speech. But I'm a large black man and young also, right? But at the time, I'm like, I'm young-ish now, right? I was like 20-something back then, I'm young-ish now. But the point is, is like, I remember talking to other leaders, like leaders, or rather, I'm sorry, not other leaders at the time because I was new, but I was looking to like be advocated for or supported or you know sponsored for promotion and i would talk to black leaders and i would talk to brown leaders and i would say hey can you support me and they would say hey i'm gonna support you but behind the scenes so you gotta do your own thing yeah behind the <laughs> scenes because i can't i don't want to get marked as the person only supports people that only supports black people yeah. i'm curious like i feel like that is a see i feel like that is a like what, like that we, that a lot of us subconscious or not even subconsciously, it's just an unwritten rule that a lot of people follow in their careers. Yep. I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, what are your thoughts on that in terms of like how black and brown people, I try, cause I don't, I don't really say people color like that. Y'all not, no shade only because it's just, I mean, we like to say multicultural because there's so many cultures represented. Yeah. Within each. It's just, yeah. yeah. So like, so when we talk about non-white, non-majority people, like what at all are y'all's perspectives on the role that we play in, in practicing intercultural and inter um intracommunal support right to in mm-hmm. career like i'm curious to hear y'all's perspective on that well when it comes to breaking the rules when you're looking for support it's it's so common to look for people who look just like you So as a black man, you probably went to another black man that felt comfortable, whether you thought about it or not. But a big rule that we we've broken ourselves and we've also seen other women break is they're going to look for white people to sponsor them and to advocate for them and to mentor them because they know that those are the people that can really open the doors for them. And those are the people that have have done it so it's just a fact yeah yeah from, from my perspective i i agree with you 100 percent. i've seen it many times where people have told me i don't want to be known as that person that only helps brown and black people and honestly for me i feel it's our responsibility as we read positions of power 
because you don't have to wait for you to be an executive. You could do that at every level. As you're a supervisor, you're a manager. Nobody goes and tells a white male or a white female, why are you only promoting people that look like you? However, many of us, and I've, and I've seen that, we kind of say, hey, we don't want to draw that attention. And I get it. Look, I get it. Because at the end of the day, I always say this, do not sacrifice the mission. And the mission is, at least for for me, is to have more multicultural women in positions of power. And to do that, you got to get into those positions of power, but you can't get there alone. I really believe that we do ourselves a disservice if when we move on to other roles, there's not a clear person that can replace succession. you that is not a woman of color. Yeah, from a succession planning perspective. So is it is real. I see it. I still see it in corporate America, but I believe it is something that if we don't stand together and start making moves, it's not going to change. We're going to wait around for people to give us permission. So let's talk about that, right? Like making moves, right? So this 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 ladder, I just like extending this metaphor uh, from the, the Women at Work Report 2022 by McKinsey. The ladder itself was never really designed for women of color, multicultural women. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm, I'm curious, like, do y'all believe, I'm curious, like, my position is almost like we need to, like, really, like, recreate the ladder. Like, we need to, like, reimagine, like, what does it actually look like to support women of color, period. I don't know if it's necessarily like a symptomatic thing. Like there's all these clean rungs. This one just happens to be broken. Like, what do y'all think? You want me to start? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I think. I think that this has been gone for many, this has been going on for many years and we need to really sit down and say, what are those pieces of the culture that we have power and control over? Because I think many times people want to change the whole corporation. And as a woman of color, a multicultural woman, I'm like, let me start with my house. Let me start with my department. Let me start with my division. And as you have people and leaders that you're growing under yourself, not just multicultural people, but also white people, as you bring them in, then you kind of start creating an army that goes out there and that continues to build a more inclusive culture. I think the other piece is, and you probably know this uh, better than me, but Um, I believe it was Accenture that put out a report that said that only 21% of leaders actually have a strategy to improve their culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So to me, if leaders are serious about it and you want to really change the game and have a truly inclusive culture, until you start looking at your culture the same way that you look at your sales, we're not going to make change. And I think every single one of us, every single person in the workforce has the capability to do that. You don't have to wait for a leader at the top to start making those changes. Um, but if you think that it's going to happen overnight, it's not going to happen. But it's, it's going to take a journey. A, yeah, <laughs> it's going to take every single one of us to do so. And, and we have to bring the white person along. Let's just keep it real. Elisa? Yeah, I think when you look at the ladder, there's so many gaps. So for me, I know there's people out there who are like, let's change it all. Like, like, you know, let's just throw the ladder out and we're going to build our own table. Don't have a seat at it. We're going to do our own. But the reality is there are some ways that you can fix the broken rung. Like, Mm -hmm. so what if we just tried to repair? If you literally had a physical ladder in your house and it broke, 
like, what if you just try to put some tape on it? <laughs> like, what if you just tried to fix it? What if you like built a new plaque of wood or metal to replace it? I, I think that for me, I see so many, especially like millennials, just leaving and starting their own thing because they're like, forget corporate America. I, you know, and, and literally that's me. I did that. Same. I I cl- climbed the ladder and now here I am trying to fix it <laughs> because <laughs> it's easier for me to fix it from the outside than than where I was on the inside. And but I actually am here because I believe it can be fixed. But we need to be in the inside and you see I'm of the mindset like we still have to be in the inside in order to be able to fix it as well. So we need both at the end of the day. And it, and it's so we really do. It has to yeah. be a partnership. I was going to say like, it's inter- I mean, so a lot of the, a lot of the uh, pledges and things in the wake of the murder of George Floyd back in 2020 uh, were performative, but in the, in the space of where it was of made any impact to y'all's point, it was because there was coordination between some grassroots effort with like corporate, participation and collaboration right like the fact that um, a lot of those things would not have even started or happened without all of the global protests and then when you think about like some of the community mm-hmm. investment pieces it's because there were already people on the ground already plugged into these communities um, and then there were people in on the corporate side who were trying to figure out the paths to then partner with those organizations so i agree like it's it's both and and i also also agree with you elisa that like there is this tendency by younger people, um, and I'm I also am a millennial. Millennials are also now f- up to forty now, though. So I mean, I don't know. Like people got to update their lexicon. Really, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, I'm an elder millennial, right? like so. thirty four, about to be thirty four years old. So it's like I mean, like I'm, we're not like super young anymore. So anyway, the point is, it's like, uh, like there is this tendency of just like ah, I'm just gonna burn the whole thing. I just want to burn the whole thing down and start over. Mm-hmm. And and I think like that is. Like I respect, I respect the principle of that, and I can respect the fact that we live in a late stage capitalist society. So, like the likelihood of you tearing down these systems that we've that that exist and persist, mm-hmm. um, and then like rebuilding something all within your lifetime, let alone like your lifetime where you're actually gonna be able to move around and like function, is like very slim, <laughs> right? Like, mm-hmm. like let's say let's say yeah. you're like some incredible revolutionary, and like you're able to like introduce a whole new way of like working and being and you're in your thirties. Now you'll, you may be able to see the end of that and you'll be like on your deathbed. You'll be like 90 years old. You'll be old. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to just flip, <laughs> flip a switch. So let me ask this then speaking of speaking of which like younger people, let's actually talk about real young people. So Gen Zers. Um, I'm curious when you talk about like supporting women of color, supporting black and brown women, supporting multicultural women in the workplace, I don't know if this next generation of worker is going to be as patient, even as millennials have shown themselves to be. I do foresee mm-hmm. them exiting and I necessarily always to start their own thing, but to just go to another job. Like, have y'all had any conversations um, with leaders or, or just even like on just even on like the what rules podcast about like the intersection of, race, gender, and generational cohort. Because I do think that like that future of work is going to be radically different than what we've seen so far. 
I mean, that's the change that we want to see, because if you look at the data from McKinsey, the opportunity we have to fix the broken rung for the futures that come after for the future generations that come after us is if those people right as they enter the workforce are being plucked out by managers seen as high potential people to be on the management track. It is when you're first get in the workplace. It's not now you're a manager, now you're a VP, let's do all this work to get you to the C-suite. It happens right out of college. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually the opportunity for our generation to be the change again and Mm -hmm. find those young people as they're entering them and mentor them, sponsor them, look for opportunities very intentionally for them. So this is our chance to help them. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too. like, you know, to this end, like coming in and we're talking about supporting women of color, um, the broken run based on this report. And then frankly, just based on like the way, the history of America. Life. <laughs> um, facts. facts. It's interesting, right? Like, and I say this, right. As a cishet black man, like um, who does benefit, who does benefit, um, from the patriarchy every day um, at a at a much st- uh, less and differentiated degree than white cishet men, but participate nonetheless. I'm curious, like, at what point do y'all ever see any intersection between some of the challenges that black women face that black men also face in the corporate space? If you look at, like, their participation and representation. You mean besides racism, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was good yeah a hundred percent right so like but my here but here's my here's my my, the point i'm trying to make is that like there's this there's all there's this pattern of like we talk about women of color we don't always Mm -hmm. talk about really like naming black women we definitely don't talk about black trans women and then we don't and somehow for some reason like i don't see and, I, and again, Living Corporate has been around for five years. Right? So we have like 900 or so podcasts over that time, talking to hundreds of brands and executives and all this stuff, right? And so I'm not sitting back and saying I'm the only person that it doesn't happen. I'm simply saying like, I don't know if I see a lot of content in the DEI space or sponsorship space or advocacy space that prioritizes or, or even just clearly names like, hey, black men have a unique experience in this way too. Um, not to say that they don't participate in systems that are oppressive, the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like it almost feels as if like they're almost like, like almost like a second or third thought. Do you feel like I'm being unfair? I'm speaking as a man. I'm curious to get y'all's perspective reaction. No, no. I mean, I think that's a good point. In in my experience, a lot of the work, to your point, when you talk about people of color, it kind of it's all lumped in. And then when we talk about women of color, I, most of my work that I've done is on women of color. So I knew to break it down by the specific um, different cultures. But I can tell you that I haven't seen a heavy focus on men of color specifically. And I think, it, and I think this is just me thinking is because when we looked at the, when I look at uh, the numbers or when I look at data, one of the biggest opportunities is women. And then as women of color, we're like, okay, but then what about us? But you hardly ever hear what about men. And, right? and to be clear, and to be clear, like also like 
my larger response is what about men? Like y'all already, we got a lot. So, but mm-hmm. I'm simply saying like, I, like when we have these conversations and we, and we, and they're very binary in terms of gender, like they, they almost lump like black men with white with men. The white men. And it's like, mm-hmm. yo, like, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I see the white men who are like my age or who are younger or a little bit older and our life experiences are wildly different. Let me tell you. So why do you think that there's not enough people out there? Because I could tell you, like one of people always say to me, because I am all about women in power specifically, and I'm very focused on multicultural women. And they're like, well, why not for all? And I said, because that's not my mission. This world is big enough than just enough of us out there. If your mission is for all women... By all means, go do Amen. you. So my question is, you know, where are the men out there, nah, right? That nah. are that are doing this, and, and and there may be. Again, I'm just no, no, I'm no, just no. saying I no, don't. No. I'm strictly focused on the multicultural. But I agree with you. There should be people out there sticking out for or or speaking out on what are some of those things that I are think, going on. So so yeah, them. I mean, there's 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 several, right? In terms of like, there's people like in industry, um, like you know, Kenneth Johnson comes to mind. Um, there, there's you know there's there's leaders out there that make focuses on like black men experiences, uh, black and brown male experiences. Um, however, to your point, like I think that I don't know. Like I feel like it's such a it's a broader question, right? Of like why yeah. does the DEI mm-hmm. space like just like the DEI space just doesn't really amplify like specifically does not amplify black men it we have to like black women have to like we have to like really go above and beyond for them to even get specific targeting right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so like Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know right like i don't think i I think like it's just it's a fairly i think it's a much more complex conversation than a lot of us appreciate of just like how identity comes into play and like why is it like where where does where does the the benefit and participation in the patriarchy start and stop for like in this way so that why is it that black men aren't like I don't know like but it, but I but I'm but I'm curious I'm always curious about talking to folks I hear a mission brewing Zach you know? I know like Zach. Oh, no 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 living living corp- <laughs> living corp- <laughs> Living corporate is my mission. <laughs> I'm not picking up no more missions. Uh, we exist to connect black and brown folks with organizations that want to engage them. We create e-learning and training and all that. So no, no, no. It's more so about like it, what I will say though is it's like to the point about like priority and mission and focus. Honor that. Respect that. Yes. I'm I, I'm mm-hmm. curious about every time I talk to people who like are real, who and typically it's white folks that'll come that, that aim to come on living corporate and talk about women in general or women of color and i typically i definitely charge the white women of okay like so like where does your allyship or support or has do you even like see mm-hmm. like, even if that's not your mission can you do you recognize that men are not a monolith Absolutely. just like men are, women mm-hmm. are not a monolith and i typically get these very mm-hmm. nervous like oh well yeah i mean i don't know so more so just curiosity <laughs> um no, Elisa, you're about to say something go ahead Oh, for I was just gonna joke and say for us that's not our space. Hundred <laughs> percent. So, um, so, so I know that I know that y'all have a conference coming up. Like this will probably this is gonna come out before the conference. So, talk to me more about the conference that you had, y'all have coming up in late October. What inspired that, and really what that's gonna be about. As we started interviewing all these women and hearing their stories, we 
began to see how crucial it is for the entire organization not to, to for the entire organization to get involved with what we are calling changing the face of leadership we feel like a lot of programming out there for multicultural women is like here are all the things for you to do right. and it's all putting all the responsibility on them and we said, you know what, what if we put the responsibility on the entire organization? Let's do a conference, a leadership conference that, yes, supports multicultural women, but let's invite their managers and really not just their managers, but anyone in leadership who wants to help advance multicultural women in the workplace. So that's what this conference is all about. It's for everyone. So we have full teams coming to hear it's a virtual conference um, to hear how we can make a difference. Mm -hmm. And we have workshops that are going to be specific as well for the multicultural women and workshops that are going to be for the leaders. Because the one thing that we figured out as well, uh, because most of the women and Alisa said this, that come into our podcast, it's been white males that have helped them be successful. So there are people out there who care and want to help. And what our goal is to help equip them and help them provide them a safe space where they could ask questions that may be judged in other place. And we're just here like, okay, what are those questions? Let us help you because we're experts in this area. We can help you. We know what it takes and we know how you can help a multicultural woman. So we're excited about partnering with these leaders who are, who, who want to make a difference at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to go back. So that's super dope. Um, and I think I'm gonna go back to something Lisa said at the top of it is so often when we talk about like empowering marginalized groups, there's like this pattern of um, here's what you need to do. So you can like go be empowered. Right. <laughs> and so it's like, yes. um, and, and, and I think what's like, so what's so interesting about that is, is like how insidiously and subtly racist and misogynistic that is. Right. Like there's this presumption of if this person needs to be, Hey, this person needs to be sponsored, right? Hey, hey, like here's here's Elisa, like she's great, she's done these projects for us, blah blah blah. And the first response is, let's get you in like a performance, like a like a training program. And it's like, do I need training, or do I just need an opportunity <laughs> and like proper recognition for yes. the work? And yeah, how about you open the door for me? Yeah, that's right. Like, I remember like, and like there's just this presumption of like incompetence, which again, that's what I mean about just like. The, where the misogynist, misogyny and racism um, and sexism come in, I remember like back when um, when George Floyd was murdered and there was this whole document going around by like these really well-meaning white liberals and they were talking about, it, it, the document was a Google sheet, it was called Pay It Forward. It's actually how I got, um, how I got a role, um, how I got a job, um, a new job. But um, anyway, um, it was a Google sheet and they're like, hey, talk to people, like, Schedule time. All these people have power and access and they're willing to help you. It was like, wow, this is crazy. And so I was like, I scheduled like 80 interviews. Like I was talking to mad people. Like <laughs> yes, here's Living Corporate. Amazing. Hey, I'm trying to do this. I'm interested in this. Here are the ways you can help me. I had like a whole deck and everything. And so I remember though, like a pattern of these like this small, this population, the sample size um, of like executives and like, ex like experienced entrepreneurs they would be like, wow. They'd be like, wow, like, you're really bright. Or like, um, wow, I didn't expect your website to look so good. Or, man, you have like a fleshed out idea. Wait, you have a business already. Oh, my God. 
And I was like, Whoa, and I was you like, know how yeah. to spell. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, fam, I wouldn't have scheduled this time with you asking for your time or your resources if I wasn't prepared, right? So there's just presumption um, mm-hmm. a lot, like, of just, it comes. The other thing I, I like about what you said, Elisa, is it's like, to your point of, like, bringing that to life is it's not just we're going to send these people to this conference by themselves. They're going to be paired with, you know, a sponsor. Um, and then, you know, Dr. Marari, like, what's interesting to me is you said at the top of this, but then you reinforced it just now about the fact that if you're not able to get the white man engaged and bought in, you're not really going to do anything. Like, the reason why we still have racism is because white people want us to still have racism. Like, if you don't have, like, if you don't mobilize, I mean, I'm not, mm-hmm. y'all feel like y'all, y'all uncomfortable. Did I say something wrong? Y'all okay? No, no we're no, no. funny. We're just like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, it's so like, so, you know, like with and like white men, yes, white people in general, but then like white men specifically are like, they're really mm-hmm. rep- overrepresented and C-suite position. So if they're not going to be sponsoring, if they're not going to be participatory, then it's not going to happen. Right. And like, they're going to be the ones that are going to drive the culture and shift and shift these cultures of fear and uh, repercussion. I mean, even right now, right? Like these DEI leaders are shaking in their boots. HR leaders shaking their boots, trying to figure out how they're going to submit their proposals, their budget proposals for 2024 in a way that doesn't get them side-eyed too hard or piss off the wrong people. Right. And so the only people that can shift and change that are going to be the white male leaders, right? Like right now, Mm -hmm. now the other way is that all the multicultural people come together across all their various differences and backgrounds and creeds and rise up, but that's not going to happen y'all. So you (laughs) might as well (laughs) engage the people. You know, one of my friends, um, one of my friends sent me a message today. She works for a fortune 500 and she's trying to get um, a team to go to our conference. And she was told by the person who she thought would be advocating for it to go quote, look through another window. (laughs) And it's the first time she's ever really like had an issue advocating for people. And she has to make a lot of interesting connections just to get the word out that a conference exists. And it's just really interesting to see like, yep, that's, that's pretty normal. That's like a normal challenge that we all face. (laughs) hundred percent. Every day. Every day. So Look, I, I'm excited mm-hmm. about, I'm happy that we we're able to find this time to have y'all on the show. Here's what I'll do. I'll, I want each of y'all to, I'm going to give y'all a question I want each of y'all to answer. What is the, I'm going to give y'all two. What are the two things? <laughs> what are the two, the two points of advice you would give to majority executives, meaning white executives in organizations who are aspirational allies? Like they're trying, they want to be allies, they want to support um, and uh, support the the experiences of women of color. They want a more fair place to work. They want to fit. They want to be a part and on the right side of history. What two points of advice would you give them in this season? You want to go first? Sure. <laughs> the first one is, that I would say is recognize the power that you hold. I truly believe there are many white males who do not realize they're sponsoring people every day 
but the people they sponsor look just like them. So recognize the power that they hold in their hands. And number two is invest in her. Because if he doesn't, then other people are going to still think it's okay not to. So realize the power and use it. And number two is invest in her. I would say seek out multicultural women who you don't normally seek out. Build relationships with them. That's number one. Number two, when you meet them, ask how you can support them and ask how they how you can sponsor whatever efforts they have. I mean, one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to equip multicultural women so that they have those answers and they know like a big theme for us is own your power. Like know what you want. Don't settle for less. And when you have an opportunity with a a potential sponsor, say this is the direction I want to go. And it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know what? And I want to say, I appreciate you both coming on the show again. I'm excited. I want everybody to make sure y'all click the links in the show notes. Make sure y'all learn more about this virtual event on October the 25th. Make sure y'all check out Dr. Marari. Check out Elisa. Y'all, it's been a fun time. All the friends of the show, come back. You know what I'm saying? Come back. Thanks so much. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah. Talk to y'all soon. I want to shout out to our guests again. I want to shout out to the Living Corporate family. Make sure if you don't know about all of the things that Living Corporate has going on between our organizational assessment capabilities, our e-learning platform, our storytelling and branding capabilities, our employee experience, um, programming capabilities and expertise, make sure you click the link in the show notes, right? And if you're driving and you ain't got time for that, or let's say you just, you know, you and your phone right now, you just want to type something in. Yo, it's living dash corporate backslash about living dash corporate backslash about till next time. Y'all, I love y'all. Talk to you soon. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.